Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Burrows hit all six on this drive. Burrow looks underneath. Chase to the end zone. Touchdown. Jamar Chase carried the load on that drive. Five receptions of the first touchdown of the night. One, and they work out of an empty set. It's Jackson with a shovel pass. It's Andrews for the touchdown. His fourth catch of the drive. And Baltimore strikes first. It seems like everybody's taking that to heart. Get up, get up! Pitch to Pierce. Good blocking on the perimeter. And there he goes. Across midfield. Inside the 10. And he'll take it to the house. 75 yards. With a monster. Troy Hairston blocked to Springham. Second and goal now. Lawrence fires into the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! Christian Kirk. Orban has 37 on the year. Fan grounded out to end the first. Rich Hill has given up 22 stolen bases this year. Tommy Pham hits a fly ball deep to left center! And it's out of here! Tommy Pham back in San Diego, and he makes it 2-0 D-backs. 25th pitch in this inning coming up from Justin Martinez to Jake Cronenworth. Got him! Justin Martinez shuts the door, strands two, and somehow with this exhausted bullpen, they get a 3-1 win here in San Diego, and what a moment for his first career save. One out top of the eighth inning. Here's Julio Rodriguez, the stretch and the pitch. Swing and a fly ball deep to left field. Way back, going and going, and goodbye baseball. Julio Rodriguez with a three-run blast. It is Julio's first five-hit game of his young major league career. 20 home runs, his first two seasons in the big leagues. Dial 602 260 1060. That's 602 260 1060. Or tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome to the Friday, August 18th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7, the Bengals over under 11.5 wins. Is that the right total? Did I get the right total? Yeah, 11.5 wins. More than anybody in the league, in fact. 11.5 wins for the Bengals. I never thought I'd say that sentence. Uh, the AFC North. Ranked the teams one through four. The Texans over under five and a half wins in 2023. The AFC South ranked the teams one through four. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, have they successfully regrouped? The Mariners, do you hope they reach the postseason? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so. It'll be a uh, Houston Texans preview. We'll talk with Jason Bristol from uh, KHOU 11 in Houston. 
uh, 9.30. It'll be interactive action, 602-260-1060. And also some local roundup. That'll include a Diamondbacks victory last in, uh, last night in San Diego. Also in the final segment of the Sports Zone, it'll be the National Roundup. That'll be topped by a little MLB scoreboard action from a limited schedule on Thursday. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point. Hosted by Kayla, we will have previews of the Bengals and Titans at 10.15 and 11.15 respectively, as they say. All right, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, the 2023 Cincinnati Bengals over or under 11 and a half wins. And Kayla is here and has the early returns. Over 67% of the vote, Ooh. under 33%. Wow. How times have changed. No NFL team has a higher consensus win total than the Bengals. And remember, the Bengals have played in the AFC Championship game the last two seasons. Meanwhile, the AFC North is arguably the best division in football. The Bengals are shooting for their third consecutive division title. Pick the AFC North in order of finish, one through four. All right, today's Twitter poll question, the 2023 Houston Texans over or under five and a half wins. And Kayla, what's happening here? Under five and a half wins at 75% of the vote, over sitting at 25%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. The Texans, they are another team that have se- has season win total variance if you're shopping around. Five and a half was really the number for almost the entire last three months. But that number is actually in a few betting locations currently gone to six and a half in the last couple of weeks or so. Meanwhile, the AFC South has a overwhelming favorite, Jacksonville, which ended a five-season playoff drought in 2022, is the favorite. While Houston, uh, after their stretch of uh, three consecutive playoff seasons, ended in 2022, in large part because of injury, they are not the favorite this year. So is the AFC South? Uh, pick the actually let me rephrase that pick the AFC South order of finish one through four all right local front time the Diamondbacks uh, have won five of six Zach Gallon pitched into the seventh inning don't think it was exactly his best performance but he pitched into the seventh inning he gutted it out and got some good defense Tommy Pham and Gabriel Barreno homered and Justin Martinez closed out the Padres last night so, have the Diamondbacks successfully regrouped? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Mariners, seems to happen three straight years now. They're making an annual late-season uh, you know, late run here. Yesterday, Julio Rodriguez was 5-5, including the game-winning homer at Kansas City. So, do you hope the Mariners reach the postseason? Just kind of figure out, you know, would you like to see them play in October as opposed to some of the other contending wildcard teams in the American League? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during, its, uh, during today's sensational one-hour radio program. Also, anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602 602- 260-1060 or in tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. 
Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we have a news update that will be followed by Houston Texans preview with Jason Bristol from KHOU in Houston. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, some local roundup, topped by some Diamondbacks and Padres analysis from Thursday night. Time pending, we'll get to a little bit on the Suns schedule, which was officially released yesterday by the Suns in the NBA. You are listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Larry Clapton action here from back in the uh, slow hand album days. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. And KS Lux HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. There's optimism in Houston with the uh, you know, D'Amico Ryans uh, returning as now the new head coach. And also possible cornerstone rookies, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by Jason Bristol from KHOU in Houston. And good to have you on the show, Jason. 11 wins over the last three consecutive now losing seasons. Is is there realistic optimism regarding the 2023 Texans? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Thanks for having me on. It is uh, a complete 180 from what we've seen over the past couple of years with a guy that most people had never heard of and David Culley coaching and then Lovey Smith. But when you've got two of the top three picks in the entire draft, yeah, you're pumped. Now, were Texans fans and the city, were they disappointed in in not getting that number one overall pick because they won a game on the last day of the season? Yeah. But when you look at what the Texans came away with, and not just the two guys at the top of the draft, but there's a wide receiver, Tank Dell, from the University of Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. Little guy, big playability. He's really impressed during camp and in that first preseason game. So this is probably the best vibe we've gotten from the fans in a very long time, probably since uh, when Deshaun was drafted here and, and obviously um, when he first burst upon the scene. There was some stuff going on there. We will get to Mr. Dell momentarily. Uh, so let's start with the return of D'Amico Ryan's a tremendous player in his Texans days. Most recently, the highly, regard, uh, highly regarded uh, 49ers defensive coordinator. What is Ryan's most brought to the Texans organization, in your opinion, in his return to Houston? I think excitement. Again, when you get get these coaches that they've had, and, and again, no slight on on what they've done in their career, 
But here you've got a guy that I think most people would probably say was the number one candidate in terms of assistant coaches on the market. And the fact that he wants to be here and told us his first news conference, uh, Nick Casario, the general manager, said basically at the end of the interview, they have a little thing that, hey, do you have anything else to add? And D'Amico goes, I want to come home. I want to be here. I want to, I want to, uh, let's get this done. And, and the Texans brass, they were just blown away by that. And the fact that he has familiarity with the organization, this is not an old team. I mean, this, this team's only been around for almost, you know, roughly two decades. And the fact that now you've got a guy who quote unquote wants to come home, who's, whose life was really shaped by such an important part of, of a time during his life to come back and want, want to be here and oversee this work in progress, this, this restoration project. Fans are just really pumped, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that not only is he a key player, one of the best players this organization has ever had, but he wanted to be here, and he was arguably the number one target on the market. Will Anderson, he was a skilled, multi-skilled player, really, uh, at uh, Alabama. I actually think he was most effective as an edge rusher. So what's Ryan's and the the Texans' plan for Anderson? Um, I think edge rusher. (laughs) So, you know. uh, Good to hear. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, right? And it's, it's, uh, he has been, when you see him, it is, it's one thing to see these guys on TV, but sometimes when you see them up close for uh, your, your, like a first time, I looked at this dude's thighs and I was like, those are like Earl Campbell thighs. And the fact that he's able <laughs> to, to run as quick as he does and, and uh, bull rush the way he does. Uh, Jerry Hughes, longtime, uh, longtime NFL player who's with the Texans, I mean, he was mm-hmm. dropping a cop of Von Miller. So, listen, if, if wow. the Texans get another Von Miller, uh, like that type of player, win, win, win. Uh, obviously, in the first round with quarterbacks, 50-50 proposition with these guys. And the fact that they were able to get Stroud but then come back and, oh, yeah, which team did they trade with? Oh, yeah, to get Will Henderson. Um, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it, it's really been exciting uh, and the fans are just pumped. Now, do they think people around here think they're going to win 10 or 11 games this year? No. But I, I think when you consider how the the team, in a lot of games last year, they were close. They were close games. So I don't think seven or eight wins, maybe nine. I don't, I don't think that's out of the question if if, if a lot of uh, the breaks, breaks fall the Texans' way. Okay, you're ruining the big finisher at the end, so hold off on that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's okay. all right. I figured we'd talk about the okay. weather because what was it? It was like 120 degrees out there. Is that what I heard? Oh, uh, we don't we don't care anymore. It's no big deal. It's a, it's not even a dry heat this year. All right, <laughs> C.J. Stroud. Uh, he was very efficient on a variety of throws at Ohio State. How's he looked so far in Houston? And uh, do we expect him to start the season ahead of the returning Davis Mills? Yes, I would say we do expect that. And he's looked like a rookie quarterback. Some days are good. Some days, not so good. He had a shaky first preseason game. But I would argue, and I think a lot of people here have said, 
he wasn't playing in front of his best offensive line. I mean, some of the guys, third stringers, were getting manhandled, and and I you kind of say, well, geez, he's your prize prize possession or one of them. Why would you put him behind that kind of offensive line in his first preseason game? This week, we're expecting on Saturday against the Dolphins. It appears, based on what we're hearing from the coaching staff, that most of the guys will play, if not all of them, and that's a good sign. But he's a rookie, and I think the expectations are the expectations. There's going to be some good days and some bad days. But overall, I think how you bounce back from those bad days, the coaching staff, by all accounts, seems to be really impressed. And it's not an easy playbook that they have here. Bobby Slowick, uh, new offensive coordinator who also comes over from the San Francisco 49ers, uh, one of the players, Damian Pierce, referred to his playbook as a Bible. And right now, Damian goes, we're only on John. <laughs> so um, <laughs> wow. it, it, it's going to be a transition. But so far, so good in the sense that I think CJ has really bounced back from the days that he hasn't been um, maybe as good as you would hope. But again, he's a rookie quarterback, and I think that that's to be expected. Yeah, for a team that only won three games last season and none outside the division, they've got two really good tackles. You know, Laramie Tunsil, who was actually the highest-graded pass blocker in the NFL, yeah. according to P- PFF, and also Titus Howard. Uh, that's an excellent tackle duo you know, to protect a rookie quarterback, right? Oh, without a doubt. And, and a lot of times last year, people were always like, oh, this, this offensive line has got to be fixed. It's got to be fixed. And I haven't looked up this looked up this 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 situation, but consider the Texans with Kenyon Kenyon Green, a guard. They've got three first rounders on this on this offensive line, this starting offensive line. I don't know how mm-hmm. many other teams in the NFL have three three first rounders on their offensive line, but Tunsil. And to go back to the to go back to the question about C.J. Stroud. I mean, a lot of times you, you play for these teams that have won only two or three games and the line is terrible. I think this line is actually going to be pretty good. They also added Shaq Mason, and uh, yep. they picked a second-rounder in Juice Scruggs out of moved up to get him from Penn State. So when you look at that situation, I think it's about as good as you could probably get for a three-win team to have potentially three first-rounders on your on your offensive line, including the best left tackle in the game and the highest paid one in history. So if they've got, you know, if they, if, uh, you know, the basically there's a, if there's pass protection, they have some targets here. Again, Nico Collins, John Mechie, the third is back from leukemia. Uh, the preseason star tank Dell that you talked about Dalton Schultz uh, tied in. Now, how would you great, yep. uh, break down that uh, receiving group now? Well, Nico Collins has not lived up to expectations. This is a big year for him. Robert Woods is also in that room. That's true. Exactly. Um, Dalton Schultz is going to be like that safety blanket, that stereotypical safety blanket as as a tight end. So it is better than it was last year. Not sure. Mechie's looked really good in terms of just coming back from everything that he's gone through. Um, I, it's certainly a better receiver room. I don't think it's now. Tank Dell could change a lot of this if he if he performs in the regular season the way we've seen him in the preseason. Um, 
it's certainly not in the upper half, I would say, at this point in the NFL. But I think that there is they're in the they're in the right direction, and it's certainly better than it was last year. You mentioned Damian Pierce. He rushed for more than 400 yards last year, 4.3 yards per carry. Uh, I'm curious. He's kind of, kind of. I don't think he. I think it's accurate to see as like a violent type running style. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wonder how long that lasts in the NFL. Also, they brought in (laughs) Devin Singletary. Singletary is not exactly known for his breakaway skills in Buffalo. So, how might they split those carries? Is there a split at all, and does Singletary just clear the backup? I would say that um, it's to be determined in terms of how it's going to shake out, like, percentage-wise. But Damian Pierce is clearly the guy. Um, Here's a guy. You talk about the violent running style. The one good thing about this is that he did not, for uh, in college, did not have a ton of carries. He he wasn't used as much as you might think for a feature back uh, in the NFL. So that's the good thing. There's not. There's somewhere on those tires, but not as much as maybe we've seen from some other guys that come into the NFL. But violent, yes, and productive, yes, and Pro Bowl. He was telling us uh, a couple of days ago that's that's the goal for him, and and uh, they have lacked depth in that area as well. So to have Singletary, I think, is a is is a big addition as well, and we'll just see how it plays out, but. I think again, you got to feel better about that room because it's market. Uh, it's much better than it was a year ago. Talking Texans previewing the season with Jason Bristol from KHOU Eleven in Houston. All right, let's flip this to the defense. Uh, you, know, you know, they they don't have the talent like when Ryan's was a player. Uh, Anna went didn't have the you know Ryan certainly doesn't have the talent he had in San Francisco as a coach. Uh, the 2022 Texans defense among the bottom third in nearly every defensive stat. So how much better can this defense get in 2023? Much better. And I actually think that might be the strength of, of this team because when you're working with a rookie quarterback, you're going to have ups and downs. Jalen Petrie, uh, defensive back safety from uh, local high school here, he was one he was one of the top tacklers in football and yes you could say that <laughs> there were so many guys that were able to break through that he had to make tackles yeah. as a as, you know he was that he was just put in that position but um, there's a there's a good feeling here that he's a star in the making you also have obviously will Anderson you have Jerry Hughes who he was excellent last year as he's in the latter years of his career. I think the linebacker play is going to be improved. It all starts up front with the rush and the interior pass rush and things like that and out on the edge. And thus far, all the observers have really felt that this defense is going to be much, much, much improved. And I hate to sound like that scratch CD saying, oh, they're better than last year, better than last year, better than last year. But that's but that's kind of the way it is. Uh, They've they've added more talent. They've added a a few veterans here and there. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr. is a guy that a lot of pressure because, listen, they picked picked him in front of Sauce Gardner. And we all know what Sauce Gardner was. The common theme or the common feeling is that 
this defense, this D'Amico defense, will be better for Derek Stingley Jr. than the previous one he was in. So, again, I think there's a lot of hope, but thus far, this defense has looked really, really good. And the Dolphins in Houston right now for joint practices, and I know we shouldn't get uh, excited about what we're seeing there, but uh, they picked off Tua a couple times, and I know it's a controlled environment, but um, again, we look at the talent that is on this this side of the ball, and I, I don't think you can be anything but encouraged by the progress they're making and the additions they've made. Yeah, I think one thing, uh, just from afar here, uh, the, the the special teams, uh, they obviously have a good kicking combo with the Fairborn yep. and also uh, Johnson, and they have several kick return possibilities there. So I'm, I'm thinking that special teams could be a strength of this team. Oh, it was last year. I, that was, you know, we do, uh, we do our fearless predictions for the season. And, and, and last year I said, yeah, Cam Johnson may set a new NFL record for, for punt yardage. He didn't do that. He didn't do that, but he was clearly on, on many days the, the most productive guy on the field. Take that if you want. I think yeah. most people would, would know what I mean by that. But, um, again, you know, every year any team in this league, you're going to see one or two, I should say, that, that take that big leap. And – Lovey Smith was saying, oh, you know, last year, look at what the Bengals did or look at what this team did, and they jumped from three to whatever, uh, the playoffs. And when you look at the special teams, Tank Dell will probably back their returning kicks, I would think. Um, and, and the additions they've made on defense. And if you get passable quarterback play from C.J. Stroud in the beginning of the season and, and he becomes um, – He's not going to be a finished product by any means. I, again, I, I just there. This is why there's so much optimism here because of the talent they've added, and not just talent. Like it's ceiling talent. Like in baseball, we have, we always talk about ceiling and floor, and in basketball. But um, I think the the high ceilings here are are that's what has that's what has people so excited um, because these guys when you pick two and two and three in the draft. Those are the high ceiling guys, and 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 the Texans, um, they haven't had a lot of those on offense in the past, you know, five whatever years, and and I think again that's why fans are so excited. Jason, this has been good. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have fun. We will, and um, it's not quite Phoenix weather here, but it's uh, we've had some 104s and 105s and. Um, hey. It's humid, so it's not that dry heat, right? <laughs> that, that's right. I was just going to say, I've been in Houston in the summer before, and uh, I'd, I'd, I'd rather deal with the 115 and the, quote, dry heat here. So there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Jason Bristol from KHOU in Houston. A little schedule analysis here. I don't think they have a really difficult schedule. I mean, not the toughest first five games. They play at Baltimore. That's not a good start to the season, probably. But home against Indianapolis, at Jacksonville, Pittsburgh at home, and then at Atlanta. That's a you know, five-game stretch to begin a season that I think a lot of teams wouldn't mind. Then they actually have a rare stretch, at least this year in the NFL, a rare stretch of three consecutive home games from November 19th through December the 3rd. And those home games are against Arizona, 
Uh, they're going to be favored in that game, at least they are right now, according to the odds makers, because Arizona's an underdog in every game this year, according to the odds makers. Also, the home games, Arizona, Jacksonville, and then Denver. I don't think that's an impossible trio of games to deal with. And also, their last four games, I don't think this is bad either. At Tennessee, not sure how they're going to be. We'll have a, a official Tennessee Titans preview in the 11-15 segment today during the extra point. They play at home against Cleveland. They play at home against Tennessee. So they play Tennessee twice in the last four games. And they end the season at Indianapolis. So I don't think that's a difficult schedule really construction-wise at all. You know, when you have a last-place schedule and you play in arguably the worst division in the league, that's going to make your schedule softer than some of the ones we have talked about in the last few weeks. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. It's general discussion. Also, we'll get to today's local roundup. That'll include some Diamondbacks and Padres analysis from Tuesday night. They actually played a baseball game, baseball game in quotes, uh, Kayla yesterday Kayla yesterday said she's doing the air quotes thing. I'm doing the air quotes thing right now. In fact, they played a baseball game in San Diego last night as opposed to the uh, horrendous level of play that we saw the three previous days in Colorado. So it was a more of a conventional baseball game with some good defense, some good pitching. Zach Gallen also not the sharpest, but he got by and they made some plays behind him. So the Diamondbacks victorious again over the mighty Padres. And they'll get to all that in the next segment. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Camp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD 2. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline. General discussion, 602-260-1060. If you'd like to jump aboard, feel free to interrupt any port, uh, any part of this segment. And we have a pretty ample uh, amount of time here if you want to get in. 602-260-1060. All right, topping today's local roundup, the Diamondbacks won in a conventional way last night. After slopping their way through the series win at Colorado, the Diamondbacks played baseball last night. Zach Gallon effective. He allowed one run and uh, in, uh, pitched into the seventh inning. Uh, he got some help from some uh, some defense. Uh, that that uh, has not always been there of late, but it was last night. Tommy Fan and Gabrielle Marino. Uh, homered also justin martinez uh, officially recalled from triple a reno earlier on thursday he struck out the side martinez did and danced around a couple of walks to record the save a 29th pit uh, 29 pitch ninth inning uh, marino uh, not marino martinez excuse me at triple uh, a reno had as many walks as he did strikeouts he's got some location issues needless to say but he got by last night and they emerged victorious and Martinez was really needed because Paul Seawald and Kevin Ginkle had both pitched four of the previous five games before last night. Meanwhile, combine all those items and the Diamondbacks won for the fifth time in six games, three to one last night to begin the four-game series at San Diego. Uh, each team had just three hits last night. Uh, back to Tommy Pham. 
Uh, last night, that was his fifth homer against the Padres in 15 games since the start of the 2022 season. This was after he played for the Padres in 2020 and 2021. Meanwhile, the mighty, uh, the so-called mighty Padres, let's call them that, uh, they scored two runs or fewer in a staggering 24 games this season. That according to MLB Network. Also, the high payroll Padres have lost eight of their last 11 games. Last night, the top five hitters in the San Diego order combined to go zero for 17. Personnel news, in order to make room for the previously mentioned Martinez, the Diamondbacks sent the recently struggling Luis Frias back to AAA Reno. I actually mentioned yesterday in the sports zone, or was it, uh, might have been Wednesday, one of these last couple of days, that uh, I've seen enough of Frias. I mean, he's been up and down two or three times. He throws hard. He has no clue uh, what he's doing out there location-wise. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, I, he does get some swing and miss. That's my biggest criticism for the Diamondbacks pitching staff, mainly for the guys that we've seen come and go here and stay the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, location issues don't see. He doesn't seem to be any better now than he was a year ago at this time. And I would have hoped that he would have gotten better at this point. Meanwhile, the bottom line from last night, the Diamondbacks, to their credit, uh, they are really not just last night, but for this week, they are taking advantage of a soft spot in the schedule with four wins in the last five games, three three against the Padres now, and two out of three at Colorado. Up next, the scheduled pitching matchup tonight at San Diego in game two of the four-game series is Brandon Fott who is 0-6 with a 6.91 earned run average against the Padres' Seth Lugo, 4-6 with a 4.16 earned run average. Uh, today, is uh, this is a second consecutive start for Fott against San Diego. Last sun, uh, last uh, weekend, he started horribly. Last Saturday, or no, it was a Sunday. Uh, last weekend, that was Sunday, actually. Last Sunday, Fott started out poorly. In fact, the first two hitters of the game, he'd already given up a run. But he ended up striking out a season-high eight hitters. That was, uh, as I mentioned on Sunday, he ended up giving up uh, three earned runs total in five and two-thirds innings. Uh, He's also been, at least of late, a better pitcher on the road. He's allowed three earned runs or fewer and three consecutive road starts. Looking ahead, a little weatherman thing here, uh, Hurricane Hillary is moving up the the uh, Mexico Pacific coast here. Both teams are really keeping an eye on the weekend for the weather, especially on Sunday. Uh, Tori Lavello actually quoted this uh, talking about how Major League Baseball, it's in their hands. That's the you know, Sunday is the last scheduled regular season game between the Padres and uh, the Diamondbacks. Now, normally when that happens, uh, they'll wait a long time if uh, there's a rain delay to try to get that game in. But considering what might happen uh, in the San Diego area here in the next couple of days before Sunday uh, and on Sunday, uh, they might uh, have to reschedule this game. And if the Diamondbacks are in a playoff push towards the end of the year, that's actually a game that might have to be made up at some point. I'm not sure what the situation is with the you know, con- you know the simultaneous off days between those teams, but. You know, the, uh, the hurricane situation uh, could affect the uh, weekend schedule for the Padres and the Diamondbacks. Okay, breaking news here. The Dodgers won last night. 
They've now won a 38 of their last 48 games. Uh, they've lost one game this month. Last night it was ASU alum Austin Barnes who finally hit a home run this year. That was his first homer of the year. A solo shot in the eighth inning. The Dodgers won their 11th consecutive game. They won 1-0 against the uh, Milwaukee Brewers last night. Uh, it was uh, Corbin Burns and Lance Lynn dealing out there last night. And uh, Barnes actually homered after Burns left the game. He homered off of Joel Piomps, who's been a really good relief pitcher so far this season for Milwaukee. But yeah, but uh, Barnes hit the home run that gave the Dodgers the only run in the game. Uh, the National League West leading Dodgers swept uh, the NL Central leaders Milwaukee. They outscored them 14-3 to in the three-game sweep. The Dodgers also recorded their 12th shutout of the season. 15-1 and this month. They've won 10 straight home games. They've outscored their opponents 93-38 to to this month while they've won 15 out of 16 games. Meanwhile, Lance Lynn, uh, he outdueled uh, Cy Young Award winner. Yeah, outdueled is kind of a stretch because neither of them gave up a run. Uh, but Corbin Burns, Burns actually... Uh, was very good, and then you know, as soon as he left, uh, you know, Barnes hit the home run off of Piomps. But uh, you know, Lance Lynn, now four consecutive performances with the Dodgers since the trade. He's been really good. Last night, no runs, four hits, seven innings, struck out three, walked one. Uh, Caleb Ferguson got the win for the Dodgers in his inning of relief, and then Evan Phillips pitched the ninth inning and got his 18th save of the season at Dodger bullpen which was shaky early in the season, especially had a couple of really bad weeks that kind of inflated their run average. But for the most part, that Dodger bullpen has been uh, much more reliable, not close to the group that was actually the best bullpen in the National League last year, not to, close to that group, even though they're pretty much the same guys. Uh, but uh, you know, they they pitched much better really uh, since the first part of July, quite frankly. They had a terrible series at Cincinnati. I believe that series was still in June. If it was not late June, it was very early July. Since then, they've kind of figured it out. The one thing the Dodgers have to figure this out, uh, one thing they have to figure out, is they don't mismanage a whole lot of things, but they have completely mismanaged this J.D. Martinez injury situation. I mean, he's been in and out of the lineup for almost two weeks with groin and hamstring issues. He was a late scratch last night because now he has some more groin issues. So, like, a, they, they, they're they they're comfortably ahead. I mean, maybe they're just, you know, they're only like four games behind the Braves, but maybe they're trying to catch them. But, you know, there's, I don't think, too many. That would be the only reason I could think of is why they continue to push Martinez out there on a daily basis. The Suns announced their schedule for the upcoming season. Uh, the first two games are on the road at Golden State on Tuesday, October 24th, followed by a game against the Lakers on Thursday, October the 26th. Both of those games are nationally televised. The Suns will open their home schedule against the Utah Jazz. That'll be on Saturday, October the 28th. For the uh, third consecutive year, the Suns will play on Christmas Day, by the way. Uh, this year, they will host the Dallas Mavericks on Monday, December 25th. And uh, that's an 8.30 tip at the Footprint Center. The Suns will play 25 games on national television across ABC, ESPN, and TNT. That doesn't even count, that doesn't even count the NBA TV games. Uh, so that'll, 
the 25 nationally televised games on ABC, ESPN, and TNT include the season opener at the Warriors, that's on TNT, and the Christmas Day game against the Mavericks, that is on ESPN. Uh, the uh, team will play 11 games on ESPN, 10 on TNT, three on, uh, excuse me, four on ABC. Also, the back-to-back situation, you always wonder about that. Uh, they have uh, you know, not very many back-to-back games. They play eight, uh, 14, excuse me. That's not a, that's, I think, an average number. Uh, they have 14 back-to-back sets, uh, including eight times where they play those uh, games on, uh, on consecutive nights. So we'll see how that goes. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's fabulous radio program, the one-hour extravaganza known as the Sports Zone. That'll be with the National Roundup. We'll start with a little limited, it was a limited baseball schedule yesterday, but a couple games stood out, so we'll get to that. Also, don't forget the extra point coming up with Kayla hosting between uh, 10 and noon. And today we will have two more NFL season previews. We will preview the Bengals. No team in the NFL. Some other t- some teams have the same win total of 11.5, but no team has a higher consensus win total in the league than the Bengals. We'll preview the Bengals at 10.15, and we will preview the Tennessee Titans at 11.15. So stay tuned for all of that right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD2 100.7. social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. And from the MLB scoreboard, limited schedule yesterday. Let's start the Mariners, and they're, they they do this every year, at least the last three years now. They've made an annual late-season run. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, a career-best five hits, five runs batted in yesterday. The Mariners win at Kansas City. Kansas City has actually been a really good offensive team for the last, oh, say, two, three weeks, maybe even like a month. So they're not the complete pushover that they were earlier in the season. Rodriguez had 12 hits in the four-game series against the Royals. That established a franchise record for any series. So that's uh, they've had some pretty good hitters in there. You know, Seattle hasn't uh, been around forever as far as that franchise, but you know he's he's been very good here lately. Started the season rather slowly. He also has 30 stolen bases already. Uh, so he's got 20 plus homers. He's got 30 plus stolen bases. That puts him alongside Alex Rodriguez, Mike Cameron. I used to love watching Mike Cameron play, uh, especially when he's controlling center field when I lived in Chicago. And also Rupert Jones, who was a really good player back in the day, and I haven't thought of him in many years. Uh, so Rodriguez, uh, Cameron, um, and uh, Rupert Jones. Plus, uh, you know, in the current Rodriguez, those are the only four players in the franchise history that have had 20 homers and 30 stolen bases in the same season. Meanwhile, it was a bad day for Chris Sale and the Red Sox. Sale couldn't make it through five innings in his second start back from a shoulder injury. The Red Sox, another bad loss, quite frankly. 
They lost 10 to 7 to the last place Nationals. The Red Sox lose two out of three in that series at Washington. Sale was expected to throw about 75 pitches, but uh, one out in the fifth inning, he was done. Uh, he walked the uh, eight nine hitters of the Washington lineup, and it uh, didn't go too well. He was done after 65 pitches, as it turns out. The Red Sox not rallying here. They're seven and eight in the month of August. They're now three and a half games behind the American League East rival Toronto for the final wild card spot. And they're fourth in the American League East. So they are ahead of the Yankees, the imploding Yankees. They're still ahead of them. Uh, the good news for the Yankees yesterday is they didn't have to play the Braves, so the Yankees didn't lose. But the Red Sox and the Yankees begin a three-game series tonight at New York City. I will say one thing. If this does not go well this weekend at Yankee Stadium for the Yankees, they're going to get booed out of the Bronx. I mean, they're, they're shockingly, the uh, Yankee fan base is not happy with the way things are going. And I don't blame them. Um, I know they've had tons of injuries. Sometimes, you know, some of it, uh, you know, some of those injuries to key players, needless to say. But they should not be this bad. This is uh, pretty porous. In fact, it's very porous. All right, stay tuned. Next two hours for the extra point. That's coming up next, hosted by Kayla. We will preview the Bengals and also the Titans. Uh, and uh, among, you know, we'll get to, to some uh, predictions for uh, a couple of divisions. Uh, the AFC North, which is really good, and the AFC South, not so good. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.